morning, everybody. Really good to be here this morning and share God's word. And again, like the last time I came and preached, half my preach has already come out in the prayers and everything that's been said. So that's really good. So um, I'm following on from what, because we're in Galatians, and I'm following on from what Keith preached last week. And in the passage that he had, which is the end of chapter one, Paul starts to give his testimony, his autobiography, if you like, of what he'd been doing and what, what God had done in his life. So he'd had, he had, in his first part of his life, he had been very zealous. He'd been a very zealous Jew. He, he knew the scriptures and he'd persecuted Christians, um, you know, a lot. Um, and then he'd had a radical encounter with Jesus and then everything after that had changed. So he had a revelation about him. So what I've kind of based my preach around is something that I was discussing with Elizabeth last week. So she really was really helpful in helping me to prepare this. So thank you, Elizabeth, for that. Um, but the sort of three headings that I've got are revelation, recognition, and response. So that's kind of what I'm going to be looking at. So uh, Paul had had a revelation of who Jesus was, and what the gospel was. Um, and he then went around preaching that and teaching that. And then at this point in the story, at the beginning of chapter 2 that I've got, I'm now going to read the passage that I've got, which is the first 10 verses of chapter 2. So then after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of, of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influ influential, the gospel that I can proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring, bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission for even a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when I saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he worked also through me, through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when... James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave me the right hand of fellowship. To, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go up to the Gentiles and, and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. So that's, that's the passage that I'm preaching on. So just to, to dive more into this, what is this about? And I've, I've read around a bit, and I've, as many of you will know with my preaching before, I'm, I'm a great fan of Alistair Begg, so I've read quite a bit on what he has said about this. So, um, and it's in some, in some ways you could say this passage of the Bible is quite cool. It's kind of about spies. So it's, it's, and he talked about espionage. So Paul had become aware that there was something going on in the Jerusalem church, and he, it also he felt that this was also happening in the Church of Galatia, which is why he was, he was bringing it up and talking about it in his letter to the Galatians. So 
what's happened is Paul has arrived with Barnabas and Titus to the church in Jerusalem because he's very concerned about what is going on. So there are some, there are some people, some spies in the church who are sort of pretending to go along with what all the Christians are doing. But they've got some very different ideas about the gospel and what it means. So the church had started, obviously Jesus was a Jew, and the church had started as, as coming out of Judaism. And in Judaism, they knew that they were, they were expecting a Messiah, but they had some quite fixed ideas about who that was going to be and what he was going to do. And the gospel and, Je- and what Jesus actually was challenged that. So what these sort of spies, these people are, are saying and doing is that is they're trying to give the gospel, but with added bits. So they're saying, you need to still be circumcised if you're going to be a Christian. You need to still follow the rules of Judaism if you're going to be a Christian. Um, and um, just to sort of pick that up to sort of illustrate that, if you go to Acts chapter 15, verse 1, um, th- these people are quoted as saying, unless you were circumcised the way Moses taught, you are not a Christian. Which is wrong, but that was, that was what was starting to come through. Okay? So Paul feels that he's been the, the, the revelation he's had is he's got a particular mission, a particular purpose to tell the gospel and about Jesus to Gentiles, which is a word for people that are not Jewish. So that kind of flies in the face of that. That doesn't fit together. So what he does is he brings his companions with him, and he says he's going to set before them the gospel, not in just in terms of getting the words right, so not in terms of just getting this is what happened and this is what it is. He's using testimony. So he brings Titus with him and says, look, this is Titus. Titus was Greek. He wasn't, he wasn't Jewish, and he wasn't circumcised. But Titus, I, I, you know, one way that some of the commentators that I've read have looked at this and sort of resonates with me is you can imagine Paul asking Titus to give his testimony, just like Ben did a few a minutes ago, and like what's happened to many of us. So we need the Bible, and you know, um, Paul would have had the Old Testament scriptures, and he would have had the revelation that he'd had from God. But we also need the testimony of those around us. Because actually, it can then be an intellectual exercise. And I've spoken, I remember a conversation I had with, with a guy who was seeking God and had come to church, and I sat and had a coffee with him to talk to him. And he'd kind of got his head around what the, what the Bible said about Jesus and what the gospel actually was on, on a head level. But he said, I just can't quite get there because it's just, it doesn't quite fit together. And what I said to him, and it's really, really good that what what Julie prayed and what's come out is surrender. And it's important that we understand God with our intellect. It is important. But at heart, it's, it's it's a work of the Holy Spirit. You have to pray, and this is what I did when I became a Christian. I'd kind of got it sorted in my head on an intellectual level, but I had to just Pray and let the Holy Spirit, as we've been learning about in in our home groups um, last time, to let the Holy Spirit work and let ask God to reveal himself to you. And then out of that comes all the testimonies that we've had, like Ben with his wallet and 
Um, last week, I was in Ukraine doing some work with a, a, a special needs center that I've worked at um, and been involved with for several years. And I met up with one of the translators that I'd met eight years ago for dinner with, with the other people that I was with. And I, was, she, and I hadn't seen her since the first kind of trip that we'd had. And she said, so Emma, what's been going on with you? So I told her the story of, of my life and what, was, what had gone on and what, what had happened. And she was able to see, we were both able to see, looking back, the times when Jesus had, had acted and God had moved and, and the Holy Spirit had done stuff in my life. But what's important and what she picked up on and what I, I kind of knew but she really sort of drove home for me is that there were lots of points where I really didn't know what was going on and why God was doing what he was doing. I had a stroke when I was 26 after I'd trained as a doctor and I had to leave my career and there were all sorts of things. But actually at the points where God had moved was when I had submitted and I'd prayed and I just said, I don't understand God why this is happening. This is terrible. I felt I was going in this direction and it's just not working. But I could just pray and say, God, I trust you. I submit. And it's at those points that God moved. Not immediately, but often it wasn't immediately obvious that something had changed. But actually, when you look back through the history, those are the times that, he, that, that something had happened. That was the key point. And I think I kind of see that Titus giving his testimony allows it. It is that Titus is a walking advert for the whole gospel. This is now for Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. And it, so it's really important that we, we share testimony about what God is doing in, his, our, li in our lives. And the, the very key point that Paul wants to get across is that we're saved by grace through faith alone. That's what Christian freedom is. There's no add-ons, there's no extras, there's no having to get it all sorted out and right before you get, you, you're, you're allowed in. That's what you have, that's what happens. And if you should have skipped forwards in Galatians 5, and this is an important verse for our church. Um, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So these spies, these people that are in the Jerusalem church... They're kind of what they're saying and what they're doing. And in some cases, I think maybe they meant well. They were Jewish. They were trying to make sense of what was happening. Um, but it, it's, it, it's wrong to add stuff on. And you might think, well, Emma, we know that we don't need to be circumcised. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's an old issue. Um, you, know, that, you know, it's not relevant to us now in the 21st century. But I would argue that it is because it's a picture of when people kind of start to change what the gospel is. And what common thing is, you've got to clean your life up before you come to the Lord. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. There's this extra bit. You've got to live your life according to a certain set of rules. And yes, there are Christian ethical rules that we get from, from the revelation of the Bible, but you do that out of submission and love for Christ. It's not about lining up all of the... And, and this, is a, this is something that I trap I fell into when I was a new Christian, is you suddenly think, I've got to, I've got to do this. I can't do this anymore. I've got to do that. And actually, you're living out... Of, you're, you're kind of putting yourself under the yoke of slavery again. What you need to do is get into your Bible, get into prayer, and get to know him. And the more you know him, and the more that that is a relationship, the more I don't want to do the stuff that he doesn't like. 
because I'm in relationship with him. So that, that's the key thing. Okay. So the second point I've come to is the, the idea of recognition. So Paul comes, he's got this, this message, and he, he's very, 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 very keen and eager for the purity of the message to go forwards. But it needs to be recognized by the right people in order for it to go forward. So, um, and I like what it says in the J.V. Phillips translation, which is another sort of um, paraphrase. It's a bit similar to the message. But, um, and in verse 5 of, of Galatians 2, it says, We did not give those men an inch, for the truth of the gospel for you and all the Gentiles was at stake. So Paul knows that this is really important. So the gospel staying what it is, is absolutely crucial. And it's not just crucial for them, it's crucial for everything. He knew he had, a, he had a global perspective and he had an eternal perspective. He knew that there would be people like me and people all around the world you know, it, you know, proclaiming God's word you know, thousands of years later. And he knew that it was important that we understood that the key to, to, to getting this right, the key to being in what God wants, is to keep that message. We are saved by grace through faith alone, by what Jesus has done. No extras. Okay. What these people are saying is diluting the gospel. And it's a disruptive force. So it's really important. Okay. And in verse 6, he then, you know, he actually has astounding confidence in what he's doing because he knows that God doesn't judge by external appearances. He wasn't phased. The leaders added, he actually says, the leader added nothing to my message, which is pretty incredible because he's kind of, he's, he's come having, he's been around preaching and they go know who he is, but, and then he goes to Jerusalem, which is the sort of the seat of Judaism, into the church and says, this is what I have to tell you. And it's significant, if you read back through verses 7 to 9, that there's evidence there that the leaders recognize that Paul is right. But there's a really important thing, and this is another sort of thing that I think is important to highlight, is Paul wasn't interested in being right. So, and we can get, this is something that we can get kind of bogged down in in church, and in other areas of life as well, is that we get too caught up in being right. And I, I have this disease in spades. I, I like being right. And if I think I am right and somebody challenges it, I, I don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> which is really problematic, particularly when it turns out that I'm wrong. Um, which happens. So, but, the, but the issue here is Paul has no ego in this. His absolute objective is that this is about the gospel. And he knows, so that's what's driving him. Not that he's right and his ego, and I've said this and I've said that. He absolutely knows that God has given him this revelation and he has to pass it on without tinkering with it. So they've got to go back to the plumb line. And in some ways, we've, we've, we've got, the New Testament hadn't been written at this point. So we've, we've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. So if you, and I've, I've picked this up before when I've, I've preached before, but if you think you've got a revelation from God, that God is saying something to you, take it to the word so that you know that it lines up with what the Bible says. 
and you know, talk to Christians that you trust if you're not sure. So that is what is driving him. And this is, this is an absolute, of absolute crucial importance. And if you look back through history and picking up, um, some of you will know because we've been advertising it from the front, but I've been involved in with Nathan Paler, who's preached here, about something called Theology That Sings which is a, a, a group that's going to start meeting here from the 7th of October. Um, and um, Nathan is going to teach about theology, which basically just means understanding who God is, in a very sort of straightforward, everyday kind of a way, using the Nicene Creed as a template. Um, and it's really, really, really good. Um, but... What was my point then? I've, I've got sidetracked by getting excited about theology that sings. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's really, really important that everything lines up. And what is really good is that gives you an opportunity to explore what, what the Bible says about God. So we, we spent a long time, and part of it is understanding that Jesus was around from the beginning, when, before creation happened, and you can see Jesus all the way through the Old Testament. Um, so yeah, and yeah, it's and that idea that that all of this is so important is crucial. So if you think back through history, and, and Nathan is interested in the Reformation, that's what he did his his study on. So he did he did a conference about it, and I, I learned a lot more about about um, the Reformation when when um, somebody called Luther. Um, had a revelation that the gospel meant that we were saved by grace through faith alone, and the Catholic Church, again, in a similar sort of way, had put in lots of add-ons to that. Um, but people have died for this message. So somebody called John Wycliffe, who translated the Bible into English so that, so that the common person could read it, he died for that. Maybe it wasn't important, and it was okay, and if, as long as we've got it okay-ish, that's all right then what did he die for? So it's really, really important that we get this right. And, and there's evidence in Paul's later writings that they have how important this is. And it's a really important letter, which we think was the last thing he ever wrote that's in the Bible, which is to Timothy, which he was writing to. Almost Timothy was like his apprentice, like a son in the faith. And he writes that letter to explain, basically passing on all of his wisdom. And he says in chapter 1 of that, in verses 13 and 14, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guide, guard the good deposit that's entrusted to you. And I think it's important to pick up an additional meaning to the word pattern. So we sometimes think of pattern as being the way that something works, but a pattern to a workman is like a, is like a template, um, which means that whatever he's making, he makes sure that it's, if he makes another one, it's exactly the same. And when Paul was writing, the word that he uses in Greek would have been understood in that way. So what he's saying, he's not saying it sort of needs to be like this. He's saying it needs to be exactly like this. And sometimes because English loses that a bit, we don't see that. So that's a key thing, okay? So it's about keeping that absolutely pure. So the words that you've heard from me in faith and in love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. So he's pointing out how important it is that we, you know, we allow the Holy Spirit to have revelation and to, to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. 
So if you've got something that's really precious and really important to you, you look after it. You make sure that you know where it is and that, that nothing harms it. And then later on in chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, he talks again about how important the preaching of the word is. So in, from verse 2, he says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they, that they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, and what I wanted, there's a lot that you can pick out from that passage, but... I wanted to sort of pick up what I feel God wants me to pick up is just this idea of getting it right, of keeping to the pattern. And I'll use an illustration that occurred to me from um, my time as a doctor. So when I was, I was training and I was a junior doctor, I worked for a consultant who I learned a lot from. And when we were doing ward rounds, he used to ask me to get things ready for the ward round. Um, and he'd say, oh, what does Mrs. Smith's X-ray show? And I would say something like, Oh, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And he would go, Tenerife Airport, Emma, Tenerife Airport. And I went, what's he mean? That's a bit of a weird thing to say. And whenever I was kind of uncertain about anything, he would go, Tenerife Airport. And in the end, I thought, this is a bit strange. I'm just going to ask what Tenerife Airport is about. Um, and it turns out I was a little bit young. Apparently, in the 1970s, there was an accident at Tenerife Airport. And at air traffic control, one aeroplane was allowed to land on top of another one that was taking off, and they collided. And that happened because one of the junior people in the air traffic control thought that the first plane had already taken off. He was meant to do a double check, he forgot to do the double check, and a lot of people died. So the point my consultant was making is, you never think anything in medicine. You either know or you don't know. So with the chest x-ray, he would far rather, I said, if he said, you know, what does Mrs. Smith's x-ray show, I would go, I don't know, I'll go and check. And that, I thought, why has God dropped that memory into my mind as I'm preparing this? And I think what God is trying to say is, we have to be meticulous about what we're doing. We have to keep coming back to the pattern to the word, so that we know that that is, is what we're doing. So, Tenerife Airport. Okay. So, the third bit is response. And the response that the people in the Church of Jerusalem had is really interesting. And Alistair Begg talks about it as being a picture of unity. And again, unity in the gospel is really important. So, the authenticity is backed up by the unity that they had about it. They have got this sort of discord because of these Judaites, these, these Jewish people that have come in and are trying to sort of add things to it. Um, but, um, you know, so our response should be, go out and tell people, like Ben did. Go and, go and pass it on to other, to other generations. But we must also be careful that we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we were learning about uh, you know, in, in our home groups this week. Okay. If you try and do it in the intellectual kind of way, like I said, only, and you try and intellectualize people, 
into understanding it. It's not going to work. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to pray. We have to, because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do it. And in some ways, in many ways, that makes talking to people about Jesus so much easier because it isn't me. If I mess it up, it doesn't matter because God knew I was going to mess it up anyway. You just do. So if you feel that prompting, go for it. And then however it goes, God knows what he's doing. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on. Okay. And so there's unity in the response that they have. So if you look back through from verse 7, I'll just scroll back to my scripture, you can see several things that, that, um, that Paul brings out to try and convince the Galatians that he's, that he's writing to that this is authentic. Because it says, on the contrary, when they saw that I'd been, I, had been, I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. So they can see the similarities between what Paul is saying and what Peter is saying. And then to sort of expand that and explain that, he says, for he who worked through Peter, i.e., Jesus, for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles, just to clarify what he's saying. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, i.e. they were keeping to the, the gospel, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. That's really important. So one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we keep unity with one another. So as we're all pursuing this goal of, of, of sticking to the true gospel and telling it to other people, we need to do it in unity with each other. And I think the idea of the, the gave it, giving him the right hand of fellowship is it's almost like holding hands with each other. So we're all holding hands with each other and we're all going in the same direction. Just scroll back to my other bits of notes. Okay. And the heads were clear. So yes, this is a revelation from God, but they've also tested it against the word and they know that it's right. And because their hearts are, because of that, their hearts are also together. Um, and it's really interesting that the last verse that, that's in that is it said uh, is that um, only they asked to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So out of what's happened, there's just that little verse at the end saying we need to remember the poor, do works of charity, do, you know, you know bring Jesus' message to people, but also the practical ways that we can do it. And it also made me think about when we, because we've recently, or fairly recently, gone through the, the book of James, and it says in chapter 2 of James, what good is it, my brothers, if someone say, says he has faith but does not have works? Can that save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and, be, and filled, and without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I think there has been, or there has been in the church in recent decades, a kind of dichotomy. There can be people that go off and, and study theology and become very, sort of try and get very high-minded about it, and they might move away from doing, doing good work and doing their social responsibilities in the world, world. And then there might be others who are very big on that, but then thinking to, ena to enable them to do that and be accepted, they start to deviate away from what God's message was. 
And I think what Paul is saying here is that we need to bring those two together. One follows on from the other, which is what, why he's picking up that, 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 those verses in James. We do good works out of our faith in Christ. We don't get God to love us because of what we do right. Okay. So that was what God had, gave me to share. So, yeah. So, so it, it's a really interesting passage with the, you know, the end of the autobiography. But it is. And the key phrase in all of that, what, what Paul is so, so focused on, is you know, why is he doing everything he's doing? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And he's talking to us. It's for us. And our, our job now is to pass that on.